It's Starfleet Remembrance Day, but Union Singh doesn't do pins. The Gorn is a serious threat now. Hmm, how many times will Captain John get mad at this week's episode? We're talking about Memento Mori this week after the jump. This episode of Commander's Log is brought to you by Geek Renaissance. Need that special gift for the nerd in your life? Love supporting small business? Look no further than Geek Renaissance. The artist, Sephra, makes all items by hand and will boldly go to the final frontier for your unique gift. Head over to geekrenaissance.company.site and use the code FLOBITO, that's F-L-O-B-I-T-O, to get 10% off your order. Don't forget to follow, like, and share Geek Renaissance on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Chief Communications Officer of the USS Post Show, Hello Boys, reporting for duty, but I'm not alone. I'm being joined by, you guessed it, look alive because Captain is on the bridge. What's up, Captain? Oh, no! At ease, everybody. At ease. Having my afternoon sorry and brandy. Good day. You gotta mix it with the, the ginger beer. Of mix course. It. That that it's is intergalactic class. How's it going, man? Mm. It's, been, it's been a while. It's been a whole week. You know, uh, it's, good. it's it's been a week and, and it's it's been a little bit of uh, an adjustment because I've gone from that high that we're all feeling about Strange New Worlds because it is a really high quality show. Really? Because you were totally bragging on it for weeks. <laughs> like this show, I don't know. I'll tell you, tell you on the bus. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no. You are incredibly correct because where I was going with this whole thing was I think I found an equilibrium uh, of, of not getting so offended, <laughs> so thoroughly offended by so many things uh, in this show. And I'm trying to, I'm trying to like, like calm that down. Wow. Yeah. Well, I for one thought it was the best episode so far, and we'll get to that in a second. What's up, Kristen? Kristen Reese says hi, hi Flobito, and John. That's you, Captain. Kristen, We're gonna Kristen. have this a grand old time. Um, this way it was Love a little it. bit surprising to me about the events of this episode. Craig Robinson says permission to come aboard, Captain Number One. Permission granted because Captain Craig. is indisposed because he's been drinking that sorry. Okay, please, uh, please get him in here. <laughs> Love me some Craig Robinson. Like, like today's episode. Hey, you, you're number one again. Okay. <laughs> That was funny. I like that. All right, that. sure. Uh, so before we get into the nitty-gritty of today's episode, there is something I want to read to you from the Bell of Lost Souls website. Check them out at Bell of Lost Souls. They say, quote, TNG has the Borg, DS9 has the Dominion, and Strange New Worlds has the Gorn. Do you agree with that statement? But keep in mind, as far as I can tell, the Gorn were kind of a joke species recently. You are 100% right about that. Um, and what we know when we go into the episode, the arena, and I really wish I'd been paying more attention to this episode because maybe what we would have done last week on our other show that we do together uh, on Sundays, Starbase 80, um, uh, we probably would have watched the arena uh, so that you could have gotten a sense of the Gorn. Uh, when they meet the Gorn, they're not like, oh, it's a Gorn. Sure. Yeah, I recognize him. Um, we uh in, in Strange New Worlds, 
they are making the Gorn the, these big bads, but uh, you know me. I, I know you. I don't live and die by canon. Okay. If you want to change canon a little bit, oh, Harry Mudd, he's a psychopath. He's a murderer. He a will prison. kill. Hey, ooh, beautiful picture. Um, I, I am okay with uh, kind of remaking things and kind of modernizing things. That's okay with me. Sure. Um, but the same argument that I had with Discovery, and I'm not proud of that argument, is an argument I have now, which is, why didn't you just make a new species? In Discovery, you go, these are Klingons. And I look at these monsters and I go, they're great characters, but they're not Klingons. Right. Um, I mean, even the Klingon from uh, Star Trek, the most motion picture, which is the Klingon we know now with the big horseshoe crab on the head and all that <laughs> was still kind of close to the original Klingons. Okay. Maybe not, but kind of, but kind these of. new, these new Vulcans, uh, I'm sorry. The, these new Klingons were not, I thought a, a proper extension. And now I'm feeling that way about the Gorn. It's like, um, okay. One of the things we find out about the Gorn is they like to hunt their prey. Right. When you watch the arena, this is how the Gorn hunts his prey. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> Yo, why is that safe? Look, I give the girl at the bar. Hey, girl. You hey, girl. What's up? You looking hey, pretty good. You, you like dancing? Uh, <laughs> but you. the... The thing about the Gorn was he was the first version of Jason from Friday the 13th. Right? He's not moving real fast, but he's relentless. He's going to keep coming. And these Gorns now are Predator from the movie Predator and okay. Predator 2. And the other Predator movies. <laughs> and Predators and, and Prey, <laughs> which is an upcoming TV series, which uh, actually looks pretty good so far. And I'm just saying, um, why didn't you just make something new? Because canon says Starfleet doesn't know from Gorns. And these Gorns, and you're right about that, coming right back to the very beginning. This is a big bad. This is a scary, scary bad guy. So that's great. We need that. But why Gorns? Craig Robinson says, we all love the Ufmach. Here's, before we get to the nitty-gritty of today's episode, the question I have then is a counterpoint, probably, perhaps, since the characterization we've got from the Gorn has all been in the mind of someone who's been compromised yeah. and on and sin, is there a possibility in pure Star Trek fashion they are misunderstood? About the Gorn. Maybe the Gorn is being seen as big bad when they're actually not. That's a good question. I, I think the relentlessness with which these Gorn attack, I think, um, I mean, I, I was up to this point. I was like, oh, no, it's the young girl character who's carrying so much that she's very, very cranky all the time. And we're dumb for not knowing what she knows. And she gets to yell at us as she's teaching us all that she knows. I freaking hate that. We have backstories, man. <laughs> I was I born a poor black child in Brooklyn. I My parents <laughs> didn't have much. But what I did, 
I try as hard as I can to be host my own talk show about Star Trek. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> That's not it. Yes, but you're a host. You're, you're a nice guy. You welcome us in. Right. You know, look, I'm an old white man. Not old. Not old. Did, no one knew that. But um, but you know, one of my one of my arch rivals in life is a 16-year-old girl who every time I talk, she goes, oh. Yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Oh. And and that's what I get from from Nunian uh Laan. Really fighting with that name. That's what I get from Laan Nunian Singh is that oh, oh, it's just so tough to be her. Like it we're is. not all carrying our crap, you know? Yeah, she didn't even wear the pin for Starfleet Remembrance Day. USS Pugin sounds in her draw. She's going through some stuff, man. Where's your heart? Where is your heart, Captain? What I what I love about that is um she then goes talk talks to Space Mommy. So uh number one, Una, uh the first officer, their Flobo boys <laughs> on, on the Enterprise. And uh and I I'm really loving her. I I I've told you how I worked with Rebecca Romaine uh, long many years ago. I did not have a good time. I did not like her. She was not a nice person. I wasn't sure how I was going to feel about her on the show. So far, I'm I'm okay with it. I, I I'm not happy they turned her into Superwoman. Really? Uh, I had the opposite uh, problem. I had the problems like you had this number one, but you're having a more militant character in the Lillian Singh to have these story propel these stories you have to incapacitate number one plenty of times to get her out the way that's my issue that's the opposite of being a superwoman i i well i mean we find out um on uh ghosts of elira last week and that was like last week oh my god it feels forever ago another <laughs> bad thing about being old um Ooh. but i mean she like puts hammer over her shoulder like like laundry like a <laughs> like a jacket she just and she's super strong and you know she can eliminate all disease but she can't yeah. share that power with anybody anyway um she is this superhero she's got these superpowers now but i like the character they they put the character in my head and i went yeah i like her i like what rebecca romaine's doing with her i like that she's vulnerable um at least in her personality at least in her mind even if they've made her kind of super powered which I think I, as a fan, knew that that character that was originally played by Majel Barrett in um, the original pilot, uh, The Cage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, that she, I, I think I knew that she was a bit superhuman. Right. Uh, she's a bit better than us, if you will. So that was okay. But they've given her La'an as her like little foundling, you know, Wesley Crusher like kid and like wesley crusher she's kind of uh lightweight and kind of uh I, I don't love her here's what made me happy about this episode tell me we're finally confronting her backstory with the gorn yes that, that's it that's all i like about the episode i i like that, <laughs> that i like it. it well i i didn't want to carry this for a year I didn't want to, you know, like, tell us again about how sad you are about the dinosaurs. Oh, you don't understand. You'll never know. You'll never know. Like, I don't, I don't love that drama. So the fact that we were confronting it in this episode, that made me happy. 
All right, there's a lot to get into here. There were the Enterprise was originally over to the, to deliver a quote atmosphere pressure upgrade unit to Finibus Three, which sounds like something that was made by an algorithm for a plot line, but whatever. Oh uh, turns out they're another booby trap like type bait and switch, which seems to be a common trend in space. How dumb is Starfleet to get caught in these things weekly? But uh, it turns out the Gorn are laying a trap just to shoot things out the sky. Uh, Leon Ring and Singh has a backstory with it because she has that crazy bat last name. We're always like, do we trust her? What side she's on and what she's dealing with? What we saw, though, was to me one of the greatest examples of what it takes to be in command in this land. You have Pike, who seems to be very cocksure, very swashbuckling, had to make a lot of tough decisions and more insight into his managerial style. I gotta ask you this there, Captain John. Everyone has a favorite captain, it's either it's Kirk or Picard. Is Pike getting up that list, Ryan? Let me find it in my notes. <laughs> no. <laughs> Back to you, Bubba. <laughs> okay. <That's... clears throat> Pike is the space dad. Sorry, Picard. Oh, snap. Mic drop. I love Pike. I love him. I am I not like going. Pike. I'm not going to dislike this show because I love Captain Pike. And I love this version. I love all the versions of Spock. This is a great version of Spock. So as long as I'm getting some good Pike and some good Spock, and I love Nurse Chapel, I love Dr. Mabanga, um, I am warming up to the newer characters. I love Ortegas, mm-hmm. um, as you know, because I, I you, we all know people who've served in the military, and Ortegas is so real to me in terms of people who serve in the military. Yeah. So, yeah, but it all comes from Pike. Here's what I thought was hilarious. Pike has done these speeches ever since they introduced him in Discovery. It's like, open all channels. Hey, everyone, it's time for a sermon. Mm -hmm. And he's so good. He's so good. And and I, I do use Sermon uh, deliberately because, as we find out uh, in Discovery, that he, he grew up going to church and uh, in a family that went to church, just like me, just like oh. lots of people who watch the show. So and, Fox, just like you. <laughs> and, and what I loved uh, about him um, meeting people uh, – on a separate planet but they had a church and so he was like look we're just here for fellowship and i'm like yes that's a church term <laughs> cheap pop <laughs> they know what they're doing. exactly like Woo, fellowship. <laughs> Woo. okay so, I, I mean uh, there's fellowship of the ring too so you look you tokenites uh can join in with me on on loving that but uh yeah i mean i really love this guy he sermonizes and he freaking cares he cares and in a modern way not in the old macho like i've got 350 lives depending on me like it's not just the kirk version it's also this newer version of i care when my people die it breaks my heart and i get that from pike i really think that pike is like my favorite captain right now and and i've i've had a lot of favorite captains including uh, the modern captains as well uh, speaking about loss, besides the fact that some Starfleet remembered today, between the adventures this week, the Enterprise lost 10 souls, three civilians, seven crew. Uh, but the question I want to ask specifically was that 
pull aside moment where Pike kind of does the most lightliest drop down of Noonien Singh, but like, hey, you gotta stop with the hard ass act and have a little bit of faith. Uh, you're a man of faith, there, Captain. Thoughts about bit. that? Was that was that too hokey? Or did that did that hit it for you? Uh, you know, we needed that confrontation with her. Uh, there were two things that I loved in this, uh, in dealing with La'an. Um, and the first one, actually, I interrupted myself before I could finish it, was um, number one says to her, you're not wearing your pin. And uh, La'an says, you know how I feel about it. And uh, the line from number one is, yeah, I definitely do. And I love the way she said it was like, you've made your feelings abundantly clear. Look, you're making us all uncomfortable. You're a 13 year old girl. Will you please stop disturbing the family with your bullshit? You were reading a lot into that line, bro. <laughs> Rebecca Romaine has raised some children. Wow. She knows how you talk to a kid. Wow. <laughs> the hate is real. That's where I am. <laughs> is Tufix here? I have no idea. Is Flox here? Wow. <laughs> no, I love that because I mean, let's not let's not pretend it's not there. She is a moody, petulant young person. I'm trying to take all of my, um, you know, I come from a very uh, conservative background too, so it it was. It, it, it was very natural for me most of my life to go, oh, God, a 13-year-old girl. Ugh. Oh, she's a girl. She's doing girl stuff. I, I'm trying to de-gender all of my impressions of people. Uh, it, your gender is important. What's important is you, your thoughts, your actions, You know how you interact. I, that's how I want to judge people, not by their gender. So the fact – I've got three younger sisters – I know moody, petulant. Well, she's not moody. She's just a hard ass. She's prickly. Because she's not like she's like happy and sad or mad. She's up. She's always sour. There's always a cloud over her head. She's always dealing with stuff. That's like, you know, depressive state. No? I hear you. <laughs> and and that's very compassionate of you. <laughs> oh, my God. What a, Pat, what a wonderful person. No, no. <laughs> no, no. You're, back, you're backing me down. And I have to say. You're right to back me down because, again, I don't want to be the old cranky white guy who wants to watch that show where Flobo, I'm watching. The, really, the really nice guy, has his old cranky white guy friend who, who complains that things aren't like they were in the 50s. Like, we don't need that. Uh, no one wants to watch that. So I'm, I, I guess what I'm saying is I, I think you're right that she is being pulled back into the fold. She's being pulled back. You're part of a crew. People depend on you. And that moment that Pike has with her that you're mentioning, he's talking about leadership. He's talking about being a better captain, which we all assume is what she's eventually going to be. And we see a little bit of that in this episode, a little bit of business as usual, a little bit of this is protocol. This is how we do things. And I like that. I want that for my Star Trek. This is kind of early for me, but my one of my favorite quotes of the episode is when Pike tells, uh, I always called him Newton Singh because as far as luck is Khan is Khan, right? Uh, and he's kind of a limo. That's why I said it. He goes, it's not about orders. It's about hope. Belief can be the difference between victory and defeat. And that does pay off when Pike is like, she'll hold <laughs> when they're dealing with the atmospheric pressure, the gravitational pull and the strength of that brown dwarf. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The brown <laughs> Man, why we gotta say brown dwarf? <laughs> that's that's what wrong. it is. I mean, it's it does just, feel wrong. 
I'm just saying what this wrong. says here. So I add a question mark. I'm incredulous. <laughs> it's like we're being mean to Tony Cox from Bad Santa. <laughs> yeah, the intergalactic people be upset. <laughs> um, I uh, I love that because you know what that is, really? What is it? That's faith of the heart. Oh, don't do it. Because I've got, I got faith. faith of the heart. Yeah, go ahead, man. The saddest part is I always have to sing it with clenched fists. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> that power ballad pose, you know, the meatloaf. The I'll do anything for love. <laughs> oh my god! Oh, if I can man. figure out how to edit uh, to music, I've got to have as many people as we can get do do uh, like karaoke of "Faith in the Heart." I'm oh just, my gosh! For those of you who don't know, voice. you're lucky. Continue. <laughs> Faith in the Heart, the theme song no, from Star Trek no, Enterprise. Don't, don't tell them. It's terrible. It's a terrible song. <laughs> don't don't give a way to see it or hear it. Just say, you don't know what it is, you're lucky. That's <laughs> and, and you're lucky because it's a terrible song. Diane uh, Warren wrote it. and She's written some really uh, passable songs in the past. This was not one of them. Right. Oh, Chris and Marie's giving us a little bit of the uh, uh, little musical notes. So I've I got faith. Kirsten's got faith. I've got faith. I've learned to love it ironically. Ask the crowd, uh, the chat, it, with favorite parts. And uh, Craig Robinson saying, I'll take us out of the chance to shine here. She quips, full impulse to a glass cloud of death. Why not? I to me, I, I don't not like Ortega's. I do feel like she feels like she's like from 2022. But it's not really her fault. It just feels like she's walked on set like, oh, we're in the future? All right, cool. But but yeah, she had a she had a chance to shine here, being able to be the helms person, helms man. Unfortunately, to use gender specific terms to fly through this certain suicide mission to avoid the scorn attack. Yeah, yeah, I I um I love I love how they handled it. Um, you know, I'm never a big one for. Well, I really want to see uh, the Enterprise blow up again. <laughs> I don't love that, but you got to have things at stake. You gotta have things. You gotta have danger. The danger has to be real. That last shot of the Enterprise at the end of this episode—it's so raggedy. It's so beaten to crap. Yeah, um, yeah. It means something when your ship gets the crap kicked out of it like that. And but everybody man—not everybody managed to live through it. But most yeah. people managed to live. Through everybody it. was speaking roles. Managed to live through this. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly players. true. <laughs> Dude, oh, can we talk about the Mr. Kyle thing at some point? Yeah, let's do it now. Okay, so Mr. Kyle is um, Chief. Chief Kyle is our um, transporter. Our transporter chief, and he uh, the name Mr. Kyle uh, comes from old Enterprise lore. It's from the original Star Trek. Uh, this Mr. Kyle, very cool guy. I like him. He's looking up. He sees a guy. Now, I wasn't sure. Was this like a meet cute thing? Was this like a guy he was, they were attracted to each other? Or were they just like, hey, what's up, pal? Hey, what's up, my friend? I think it's open to interpretation, but it could be go either way. Could go either way. And uh, and then when things get really, really dangerous and they start slamming doors shut and, and, and uh, you know, basically cutting off parts of the ship, Kyle and this guy are running for the door and they're not going to make it. And the guy behind Mr. Kyle pushes him, shoves him. Right. And then the doors slam shut. Mr. Kyle looks around, turns around, looks at him. And the guy basically explodes into, you know, lightning. Right. 
and Ouch. and that's that's one of those you know split second moments life during wartime tragedy tragic death uh, exactly what we were talking about in the beginning with remembering the people who gave their lives right just oh hit me right in the heart punched me right in the heart man I just loved that. That detail was so, we didn't know his name. Right. You know, I just loved that. I think, yeah, it's definitely raising the stakes. A lot of times on CSI, uh, a show I always reference on the show, when they have a dead body, Good it's always show. dead body. So they'll do some random thing like, oh my gosh, it's John Q. Smith, the famous fashion designer who flew in from Milan. Like, it doesn't really matter where they flew in from. But, it's just a, but, I, but I understand because Kyle was so close to dying because this random guy. I mean, it, it it tells you everything. It tells you everything about uh, Starfleet. You sacrifice for the greater good. Um, it uh, We're never alone when you're in a crew. My God, I'm making myself emotional. Um, yeah. You know, we take bullets for each other. That's what we do. Well, uh, Stress-Free K jumps in the chat. What's up, Stress-Free K? Says, Unfortunately, uh, I was a little bored with this one. I didn't need my away mission. So I reason I bring this up there, which is cool, because this show allows us to get us both. But the reason why I love this one, this was my favorite, is the opposite. Give me the scientific mystery. Give me the stakes. You put me in the locker room. You put me against the wall. How are you going to get out of this? How, give me all the sensors I need to make me feel smart by watching, you know? And there were some things that were some kind of mumbo jumbo, and yet they had to stop the show to tell me what a gravitational redshift was. But I was on board every time because it was, you felt the walls were closing in, or quite literally in the Gorm's case, because one ship is totally bit it when it became uh, a ball of paper. But I liked it. I liked the stress free, okay? I don't know. We've we've had this kind of story in Star Trek before, specifically in the original series where um oh and I knew the name of it, but uh it's flown out of my head. But basically where it's more like a submarine drama from like World War II. Yeah. And um we have those moments of you know the beads of sweat on everybody's face and they're straight like, up, you know, trying to be really silent as they pass by each other and I love that. I mean, that was really good. I think it's a bold choice to not show us these Gorn. Right. The last time we've seen a Gorn in Star Trek was on Enterprise. He basically was, um, do you remember that episode from? Oh, yeah. um, it was Spirit? it was the Velociraptors from Jurassic Park. So I was like, <laughs> wait, these people were so smart to like harvest humans or how dumb are humans to be like, okay, dinosaur man, I'll go with you. But so I was asking you whether or not I missed something. But you're like, no, these were just trash. You know what it reminds me of? This is totally not of the thing. So I'm a DC comic person. Uh, there was like a, a comic book villain called Dr. Light. And Dr. Light was made to be like a punch bag for the Teen Titans. And then one day they wiped his brain and became super gritty rebooted Dr. Light and became a badass. And it felt so oh, wrong and out of place because you want someone to be like sipping on a banana peel going, curse you, you know? So that's why I was wanting to know how you felt about that. I mean, I'm okay with this kind of villain. To answer your question very directly, I'm okay with this kind of villain because um, if you went into space and you were meeting other life forms, they wouldn't all come from political democracies. They they wouldn't come from uh, societies that had gotten rid of slavery. Mm -hmm. They would be deep into these evils. Yeah. And that makes sense to me. You know, that is like how how alien can something be? In this case, it's there's an apex predator out there that can eat us like that. 
that can right. devour us, that uses us as a food source. We're basically cows flying a ship around to them. That's an image. <laughs> <laughs> or, I mean, because they're hunting and they're setting up traps and stuff, you know, we're deer. We're, yeah. we're just livestock to them. And that is alien, and that's very cool. I like that. I like when sci-fi does that. Yeah, definitely. I know you can pick and choose, or you can see all the references, right? Maybe can some can argue that sci-fi is eating itself, but as it is right now, I am still enamored with the new package of the show. But moving on, even though we, we touched upon a little bit of Nudian Singh because you love that's favorite character, we did get our first mind meld, and it looks like the pandemic is over because Spock's actually touching flesh again. Uh, thoughts about this? Thoughts about the Maya Mel? Thoughts about seeing Nunez's background? And of course, a little bit of that Discovery Burnham leaks in through. Right, right. Which is, um, I really like how they did that. I, you know, this is so specific to me, but I love Spock and I love Pike. And so the more you take the elements that I don't like, like Nunez Singh, and you combine them with the elements I like, you might make them good elements. And I feel like that happened here. I thought it was hilarious that she was basically saying, you know, look, this really dangerous mission can be done in a shuttle. I should do it. And he's like, oh, take the Galileo. And what I missed was him like throwing her the keys. Right. <laughs> Right. Take the Porsche. Take the Macan. Yeah. Fine. You can take the Astro van. Right. <laughs> you know, bring it back full. And, right. uh, and Spock, who's been watching her and trying to make sure that she does the right thing and that she, you know, stays within the lines. And, and uh, he's like, and I'm going with you. Uh, and he's like, you're not going to make a suicide mission out of that. I'm going to make sure I go with you and you don't lose your crap. And, and that was great. That was great. Her, her frailties and her flaws are right up front as I think they should be. Um, and Spock is Spock reaches out to people on the crew all the time now. And I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. Uh, he's done it for Uhura and I loved it there too. So um, I thought it was hilarious that it was like, so you're letting the kids take the car? Yeah. I mean, you know, they take the car, and then before we know it, um, they're like in neutral, just flying along. She's like, let's mind meld. <laughs> I, it's just so weirdly, like, sexual to me. <laughs> and then it, yeah, it's kind of like Demolition Man, right? Do we have sex? Yeah. <laughs> That's a deep cut. Um, my third favorite line of the episode, he goes, the mind meld is not a shortcut for dealing with mental trauma. Snap! <laughs> so I want to tell the cast of Discovery that because they were mind melding left and right in that show. <laughs> what a mind melt, what a mind melt, what a mind melt, what a mind melt, what a mind melt. <laughs> and I like that. I like that they, they kind of made it. I always felt in the original series that it was a real special thing when they'd whip out the mind meld, which is crazy because it's just this. There's nothing yeah. so special about it. Um, yeah. The fact that it's a relatively common thing for us as viewers now, I like that because Vulcans have psychic powers. And right. it's always been so, and it shall remain so. And I like that. I would um, like to have Spock declined. I had to drop cut you off there. Because when she's oh. like, I, I heard what your people can do. I was like, what the hell? <laughs> what in the Harry Kim racistness is this? But Spock doesn't. <laughs> Which is so funny because I guess for me, 
I mean, look, they're very attractive actors. So I guess in my mind, I'm like, well, of course they're going to go snoo snoo. I mean, of course they're going <laughs> to smush. <laughs> uh what i i love that it it's a two-way street so he's sort of reading her memories and but she starts to pick up on his as you said she she detects michael burnham she understands that he's gone through the kind of loss that she's gone through especially losing her brother which is a recurring thing here um but i really love his line i think we should end this mind meld now yeah yeah Put, well, I mean, put, if, put on your clothes. We're done here. I'm just saying, if you're if you're out there smushing your fingers in someone's face and they mention your sister, I'll stop too. Like, hey, this party's over. We're not gonna keep doing this. <laughs> That's not cool at all. Uh, but <laughs> Sing Sing does say, "Hey, look, the the Starfleet records doesn't mention his sister," and he goes, "No, they don't. They do not." Uh, right. Looks like uh, I understand. Strange New Worlds has got a lot of good press for divorcing itself from Discovery. Yeah. But I think it's interesting that they do mention Burnham. Would you like to see more? Or is this kind of cool being a one-time reference? Where do you stand with that? Oh, you know, I do have a very specific read on this. And that is that we are learning more. Okay. The people in the crew are learning more about each other. Just the way last week uh, Una learned about Dr. Mabanga's uh, secret and everybody learned about Una's secret. Um, it, it makes them a more tight knit group. So okay. as a as a writer, as a showmaker, I sure. think that's fantastic. You know, you know how it is when you work really close with people. You you live in in each other's pockets. Absolutely. You know, it's a little you know, different though. I, I think like uh, Bimbenga's backstory, since it works within here, Una's backstory works from it there. But but the Michael Burnham thing is a different show, a show that is polarizing. I guess more mm -hmm. of a studio level. If you were right. in charge, if you were Kurtzman, would you have more Burnham references to give Spot more of that backstory, or do you say, okay, that was cool one time, let's keep it separate because we got some goodwill brewing here in Strange New Worlds? That's, I mean, I I understand being a newer fan. And saying, why would you establish something and then say, and we will never speak of it again? I totally get that. As an old-timey fan, old I need to hear the reason why we never knew Spock had a sister. And they've given us that reason. So I'm happy with that, too. Um, I would not be happy if they kept doing this after season one. Okay. I'm really happy establishing the sort of intimacy and the, the knowledge of each other and mentioning it that way, because it is a, it is a terrible pain that he carries and he can't show or experience his emotions. So it is a good thing, but yeah, I'd be more than happy if we stopped talking about it and kind of went with Cybok on it. Do you know the Cybok yeah. thing? I mean, there's a lot of things I'm not talking about. T Pring got a refresh and Cyblox there. And uh, Sarek was a pair there for a minute, too. Uh, Craig Robinson says, uh, Didn't anyone think about the girl in the transport buffer with all those systems going down? Mm. Hey, that was last week's problem. Okay, there, Craig Robinson. Stop putting continuity and stuff. Week what? Week. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. no. That's what Mimic yeah. is upset. <laughs> I mean, it's I triage remember now. When Una, when oh oh my God when Una says to him we will get you a direct uh a line of power from the warp core to power that buffer, um 
And that's a big deal. And I love that she did that. But that means anytime the warp core goes offline, she should disappear. <laughs> well, good point. Well, if we never mention her again, we'll know why. Uh, <laughs> uh, Gordon kills everybody. Uh, <laughs> so I had my reservations with the the, the C story, uh, the B story. We went to C story story with the whole Una thing. Uh, but the last ditch moment, I thought it was a cool moment of her donating the last bag of plasma. When most medical systems were down. Children number one is always number one, even if someone else is acting as a number one. Look, man, your your first officer should always be your extra captain. Wait, what? That's one. No, I'm just kidding. And <laughs> and that's why that's why you can have a total bum as the captain as long as you have a great first officer. Wait a minute, my oh now I'm pointing oh, at you. Oh no, not me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> and Ooh. I do agree with uh Stress Free K, where he says that uh Strange New World owes its existence to discovery. It does. I mean, I don't I don't want us to forget about discovery. It's a really great show. I don't want it to get pushed off to the side where it's like, hey, let's keep doing Star Trek, but we'll just pretend that DS9 doesn't really exist. Like, no, no, no. I love DS9. Mm -hmm. uh, keep it in the mix. I, 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 you know, I love Voyager uh, in in its totality. I um, Each episode, not so much. But, you know, I love these stories all being part of one universe. I agree. I totally agree. I would, you know, now that I watch more episodes of Voyager, it was not the whole point of the show, but now that I watch more episodes of Voyager, I would totally be fine if it was a limited series. If it was like a good 10 episode or 20 episode story about how to get home, I'd be fine. But it being this like ongoing thing where I know they were writing, think it's going to be a nine, nine season show. And yeah. it's like, oh, by the way, it's not. Uh, yeah. but that's not the hint or there. Learn more. Starbase 80 Sundays as the Weber in it thingy rolls on. Sponsored by Uncle Bunk's Trunk. The finest in tapestries <laughs> and historical things from all over the world curated by the House of Weber. All right. <laughs> Our D story is, is a little bit of an interaction. Uhura is on the engineering part of her tour with yes. Hammer, one of uh, Captain John's favorite characters. As if you know, Hammer is visually <laughs> impaired. Yeah, I'm, trying, I'm trying here, man. I'm trying to get that award. I'm going to be a journalist. Uh, well, we got a lot more development for Uhura, she learns that she's trying to find her place, which is the over arc for her. Hammer's impressed by her duties. There was some kind of scary moments where we thought she died it but didn't. Walk me through this. Uhura, working with this crew, how does she fit in for you? I saw a discussion, and I know it's not a unique discussion, so I don't feel bad that I can't tell you who said it, um, because I know other people are saying it, and that is this. What we're getting with Uhura is she's very ambivalent about being in Star Trek. I'm sorry, Starfleet. <laughs> she's very ambivalent <laughs> about being in Starfleet. Uh, and we do have Spock there going, really, you beat out thousands of people to be here. You're, you're taking up a valuable space. You should really make the most of this. And so she's doing that. She's not sure if she even wants to be in Starfleet. She's thinking maybe... Maybe, you know, after this, she leaves. And what people have been discussing is that this might mirror what really happened to the actress who played Uhura originally. So you remember the story about Nichelle Nichols mm -hmm. and that she wasn't sure she wanted to be on the show. Right. Um, and she was Broadway performer and a dancer and a singer she had there's so many things she could do other than say you know no response captain like 
She had a lot of talent and a lot of things that she could have been doing other than Star Trek. I mean, sci-fi is a hard to sell, right? And it is, especially at that time. And mm -hmm. uh, so she actually met Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And he, you know, back in the day, the idea about representation and just being seen um, was still quite new as a concept to people. And yes. he, ex he explained that to her and said, you know, when people see you, it's the Whoopi Goldberg story as well, where, mm -hmm. you know, she says she told her mom, you know, there's a black lady on this show and she ain't no maid. And, and that means a lot. So one of the theories that people are bouncing around, and I like this theory a lot, I'm, I'm a person who believes in it as well, is that Uhura's story reflects the story of the woman who originally played her. Mm -hmm. You don't get I much like more meta than that. I'm with you. I'm, I'm buying into that. Uh, I think there's a bit of an overcorrection at the time where like, okay, well, if I growing up as a person of color, not seeing people like me, you're like, well, okay, if I'm an actor, I'm going to be the guy that like saves a planet and zip line somewhere and, and has the girl on my shoulder and everything. But then there is a bit of nuance there going like, you know what, just showing up and being someone with a heart of gold is important too. So I can see that being something you could pull from and have to say, oh, yeah. this person's super talented to be up thousands of people to be Aurora or to be yeah. in Star Trek, Starfleet and saying, I'm not really feeling it. I don't know but then having a chance to prove herself at different stations throughout the season, which is kind yeah. of an arc, even though we don't do arcs around here as much. Uh, I thought right. it was kind of cool that she beat, passed the Hammer test, even though Hammer almost died. Again. Yes, yes. And, uh, that's, <laughs> and is, the, is that the only, I mean, was there any other way to pass the Hammer test? Killing him? I, no. Nope. <laughs> Can't say that. You know, somehow stepping up and being able to, at least for a little bit, do what he does. And he's a genius and he's special and he's got superpowers too. Yeah. So there she is running those, she's running that really difficult panel. And then he, she's like, wait, what about this other panel? And he goes, I run them both at the same time. Yeah. That, that okay. really was kind of awesome. And I do love, as you point out, you know, she's undeclared. She doesn't have a major yet. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah, I'm just going through some stuff. I'm going to go liberal studies uh, and hopefully general applied sciences. <laughs> and and uh, we do know that she is a uh, she's incredible at languages. What's what's the phrase? She's a cunning linguist. Oh Lord, I am. <laughs> we hit that level of the show. Well, it's, it's, sorry, we're old. not we're not getting Humanitas Award anymore. <laughs> this is why you have old guys on the show, so we can do the really terrible jokes from 1905. So, you know what, about dumb jokes? This is a city out there in the West called Beaver, Utah, and if you go through Beaver, all the stores has, like, shirts you could buy. It goes, I found Beaver in Utah, or look at my Beaver in Utah, and I'm like, this whole town is a dad joke. Can anyone say, let's fix some potholes? <laughs> can we open up a cafeteria? No, no, no. More Beaver merchandise. But so. I'll bet that Beaver merch is bringing in a pretty penny. Beaver, Utah. <laughs> this is what. Hey, everybody! Christmas gifts, ideas. We we we're all gonna go buy Beaver, Utah stuff. Beaver, you. <laughs> um. Oh yeah, that's a good point from Stress Free K. Tilly also went through the officer training, but didn't quite excel. Yeah, I mean, it's it's natural that you would be a uh, part of that. I actually. That's uh, one of the reasons why I loved La'an going back to being acting number one, acting first. Trust me, K, was that a pun? 
Was that a pun? Or are you going to do the whole Microsoft Office Excel thing? Because if it is, I ain't laughing at it. I swear ah. to God, I won't do it. I won't do it. What You're up, sur- Deej? <laughs> hey, Deej. You're surrounded by dad jokes on all sides, Flobo. Dad <laughs> jokes are your gorn. <laughs> no, they're so silly and fun, but evil at the same time. Uh, but before we get out of here, I want to ask a question about Discovery, right? So Discovery had a four-season head start. Season five is confirmed. It's on the way. You had Strange New Worlds. A lot of things seem to be working with the core Star Trek audience. Is there something you try to put back into Discovery to make it more similar? Or do you say you double down and go, nope, this whole thing, the season-long story, the Michael Burnham, the way she's doing it in the future, no elements are taking any of it? Or do we try to do give back some of the magic, I guess? What a great question. Um, should, I mean, so in essence, you're asking, should Discovery keep being more Discovery? Yeah. Or should it pull in, like it did when Captain Pike took over Discovery in season two? I mean, there's elements of the the, the episodic nature of things, having a little bit more of a a contained mystery, uh, having more of the science mammal jumble back and forth. Usually it would just be Stamets telling everyone everything. Do you try to do that or is that messing with the DNA? Um, that's a very good question. If somebody told me that Discovery in season five was going all episodic, I would feel like that was a terrible idea. Interesting. Good I know. do like the over overreaching uh, story arcs. I do Especially really dig those. Zone with more with you. Producers talk about making Disco more episodic now. It'll be a mix, they say. I got a feeling is there has sure. to be a little bit of both. I think like I'm down for six yeah. episode, eight episode arcs. I think even in seasons one and two, there's always like a 12 episode worth of story in 14 episodes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, very, very uh, specific to that. And okay. I, I think they've seen it done different ways. Um, there are the episodes of uh, the seasons of Discovery, but there are also two seasons of Picard to look back on too. And mm-hmm. what I like to say with Picard is it's essentially like an old timey serial. It's you know chapter by chapter by chapter by chapter, um, and it's adventure. So it doesn't make a lot of sense all the time. Um, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Discovery has really found its depth. And and even when they introduce new characters, like I care about these characters right away. Yeah. Um, so I like what they're doing, but the mixture is really where I would appreciate it the most. You know, have your B well, story or your C story be something of the overarching storyline, but yeah, I like the science mysteries. I like the uh, monster encounters, the misunderstandings, the bad diplomatic situations. All of these are very Star Trek. I enjoy these. Very Star Trek. Uh, last question, just for the swashbuckling of it all. Thoughts about having the, the dogfight this week in space, not seeing our villain, and having a lot of things happening off camera. I thought I was intrigued. I thought they did the best they could. But there's an argument saying, hey, look, it was kind of a cheap trick. Uh, not showing what the actual threat was. Um, yeah, it's rough because if I were working in the organization and someone said, what else are we going to do with the Gorns? I would say nothing. Nothing. We're done. We're done with the Gorn. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, according to canon, you know, the next time we see a Gorn is the first time anyone's ever seen a Gorn. And that's in uh, Captain Kirk's uh, Enterprise run, you know, Captain Kirk's five-year mission. So 
um, there should not be a regular aliens versus predator kind of thing going on with the Gorn. It would be a waste if they didn't do that because they've set them up as these really scary aliens. Um, but, you know, according to canon, that's it. We're done with them. So I'm interested to see which mistake they make next. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Because using the Gorn was a huge mistake. Wow. Uh, let me know if you guys agree on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Captain, as we wind down and everyone wants to hit you up with all your hate mail for your hot takes about Union Singh and the Gorn. How they go about connecting with you and all your different shows and things you're working on? Uh, you can find me on Facebook because I'm old. <laughs> so uh, Starbase 80 uh, is uh, the home of the companion show to Commander's Log. And uh, we go up on, uh, we air on Sundays, uh, this Sunday, 2 p.m. in the eastern United States, 11 a.m. in the western United States. And uh, we will be this week talking about Amok Time because Ooh. Spock Amok is the next episode of Strange New Worlds and kind of want to introduce you to the Vulcan blue balls that is Amok Time. Uh, it'll be a lot of fun. Flobo's never seen it before. I really want to hear his reactions. I was on the fence, but he said Vulcan blue balls. Well, I'm on board because they have green <laughs> blood. And I was, how's that even possible? I don't know. <laughs> Those green-blooded uh, hobgoblins. Those hobgoblins, blue balls. All right. So this is Commander's Log, available wherever you listen to your podcast. Of course, on that YouTube platform. Share it. Please, please, please let people know that there's some bunch of goofballs out here who have good times watching Star Trek content. Be back here next Thursday. Before I shut it all down there, Captain, any last thing on your notes you want to read? Um, I had, um, they set up that space bridge and that's what made them super vulnerable. And I'm like, oh, stupid space bridge. It was, it was such a good, it was a good idea until the Gorn were like exploiting it. Um, oh man, he has that space bridge. Never thought that would happen. <laughs> um, I uh, I was at, oh man, so many good lines in this one. Oh yeah, um, Spock. Geez. That's not what I suggested. <laughs> that's not I, what I suggested. I oh I love the the panicky guy on comms. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Zaniga Zaninga. He should be him. cool. I want more of him. <laughs> not everybody on the bridge should be cool. <laughs> this guy's not cool like oh no we're all gonna die you need that guy <laughs> why does he sound like don Knotts? <laughs> <laughs> in my mind he was played by don Knotts. <laughs> oh, i don't mean to brag but uh, whoa we're gonna get blasted out of the sky over here uh but there is a, a line and i should have like okay next time i'll remember it's it's basically wow space just really wants us dead now you think about it, yeah, because <laughs> now it's like the bow on the on the gift, you know. That is the entire point of it's like a mini Star Trek pitch. Imagine a space crew on space where a space crew has to kill them weekly. Will there be diplomacy? Kind of approved. <laughs> yeah. All right. Sometimes, maybe. Uh, uh, sure. We gotta get out of here. I gotta shout the Craig Robinson with a dad joke on the way out. Don't be Gorn. <sighs> Too long, guys. I love it. Oh my gosh, maybe the Gorn are not bad people, they just have bad sense of humor. But about time to get out of here, Kim, say the words as the Gorn say, Kirk, goodbye.